Hi everyone and welcome back to the Building Brum podcast. I'm your host Connor Nolan and on this podcast I'm going to be finding out about development updates taking place across the region and looking at the latest themes and trends taking place across the construction industry. On today's episode we caught up with IM Properties Group Sustainability Director Andrew Swain. Andy is a chartered environmentalist with over 20 years experience and joined IM Properties in 2022 to drive the implementation and delivery of the business's sustainable future strategy focused around its three pillars of people, planet and place. In addition to delivering sustainable futures, Andrew works closely with the delivery partners to ensure that the principles of sustainable development and net zero construction are delivered across Iron Properties property portfolio, industrial and logistics developments and residential projects. We'll discuss the ambition that's required to deliver developments that are fit for the future. A big thank you to our Building Brum podcast series sponsors, Reality Capture and Point Cloud Modelling Specialists, Scantech Digital, Solus, one of the UK's leading suppliers of commercial flooring and mortiles, Apec UK Limited, West Bromwich-based architectural glazing specialists, and Sunbelt Rentals. With over 1.5 million items of equipment, they're the largest providers of equipment hiring in the UK. Hi Andy, great to see you. Welcome to the Building Broom Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks Connor. Thanks for having me. No, no not at all, not at all. It's really great to have you on the um, on today's episode because as, as Group Head of Sustainability at IM Properties, that's, that's such a huge role that you have, such a, such a great undertaking as, uh, as leading the charge into becoming a more sustainable company, helping to influence what your contractors do, really kind of delivering the way of creating a greener future for the industry and I thought I knew a lot about IM properties but I think it was just scratching the surface because I mean there's so many different aspects and so many different business units within the uh, within the organization I think it'd be really worth you just kind of not only explaining to our listeners but explaining to me what really kind of makes up IM properties yeah um but it's, it's, it is a very big role as you say um IM properties is part of IM group and the properties business is made up of four key business units, essentially. That's the development team that build um, large logistics and commercial warehouses. And we've got an investment team that ha- have an investment portfolio of retail units, offices, and also warehouses. We've also got a strategic land business that procure land and, and look to, to develop that. And we've got a house building arm called Spitfire Homes. So quite a, ward, uh, a wide portfolio through our business. So that I can't imagine. So your emails must be on a day-to-day. You must be opening up your emails and just having that spread across the whole whole company from the home section to the land to the properties, your coverage and your insight into all these different areas within the business, but also what that means within the industry must be, must be, uh, must be vast. It's a, it's a challenge to keep uh, got many, many fingers in many pies. And, and to keep on, on top of everything that's going on in the business, but also in the wider sector as well. So you need to understand what's happening in, in the properties business, in the commercial side of, of the world, and also uh, in the investment real estate area. And do you find that they kind of feed into the, the innovation and the push forward for, for greater, greater use of sustainability and a more emphasis on sustainability? Does the investment side lead to kind of influence the the property side and the property side 
the requirements there influence the land side? Does it all kind of feed one another? Yeah, they do. The, 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 the innovation cuts across all of those areas, um, but there's some um, parts of the business that are perhaps more advanced, certainly on the, on the development side. We look at introducing sustainable measures within all our developments now. Uh, our properties business is, is, is leading in terms of um, looking at um, cutting out gas boilers and in introducing air source heat pumps. And, um, and our investment team, to be fair to them, have been looking at how we can improve the, the, the stock, the assets that we have, making them net zero in operation and, and in improving those for the, the occupier space as well. So that's really interesting. So the, the point around kind of developing and, and using, is it not, not, using get, not using gas anymore? That's right. So for, for our properties business, we, we, we took the decision a couple of years ago not to install gas boilers. Um, we've got the future home standard coming up in 2025, um, which will remove the need for gas boilers. Uh, but we've already taken a leading decision to, to, to remove those from those properties and install air source heat pumps. And how is that? How, how are, say, customers and end users responding to air source heat pumps in their new homes? Because that must be for so many people that, that basically buy a new home. This will be the first time that they'll have, they'll have used this before. Yeah, certainly with um, the energy crisis at the moment, people are really interested to know how their homes are going to run and um, how efficient their, their buildings are. And air source heat pumps are just part of the solution. So you've, you've got to look at energy efficiency in the home, um, insulation. Um, but they're interested in to, to understand how those heat pumps will actually work. So we've, we've created some information, some guidance for them, because it is unusual. Um, but generally, they, you wouldn't know that the building isn't running on a on a normal sort of uh, heating system. And to do that, you made you must as a business you made that commercial decision to invest and and kind of move forward in that direction. How long will it be before this really becomes the industry norm and, and all major house builders take this approach? Do you think? Well, as I said before, by twenty twenty five, all new homes will have to have. Um, an alternative to, to gas boilers. Um, some house builders are, are slow in uptake, um, uh, but you you tend to find that the smaller house builders are, are, are moving early adopters of this sort of technology. And we've certainly found it quite useful because we've started to build our supply chain and, and subcontractor base around that as well, because you've got the skills and technology gap. You're bringing yeah. everyone then with you. That's then right. With the resilience, then having a strong supply chain, people that you're investing in this early on, during that journey of kind of making, creating more net zero homes, yeah. more energy efficient homes. That's, that's, that's brilliant. Exactly. With, with, with that kind of appeal, what, what, what does it mean for say, just, and this is just my own curiosity. If, if someone was to look at a property and they were both say around the same price, but one of them was offering the, 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 the I always keep getting it wrong. The energy um, air heat pump, that, that's what it air, is. The air source heat pump. Air, air source, source heat pump, pump. Yeah. sorry. Um, air source heat pump, and then one was to offer traditional gas. Is it, does it win every time? What are the, what are the factors that kind of help to influence so the, the sales linked to the more sustainable developments? So I think the key thing there is, in terms of the sales pitch, if you like, is that the, the, the home is future-proofed. So a gas boiler at the best of times will have a, a lifetime of 15, 20 years. So that occupier will have to update their heating system at some point during the lifetime of that home, where with an air source heat pump already built in, the house is, is essentially future-proofed, ready to go. And what, just 
again, now I'm thinking of my own house, what type of costs would people be looking at being having to future-proof their own houses to create air source heat pumps? Is there like a like a ballpark figure of like a three-bedroom house or would it vary from property to property? It, it would vary and obviously it's linked also to the energy performance of the house so you'd have to look at insulation as well as the, the heating system as well. Right, right, right. But um, if you were to replace the gas boiler now, you're probably talking, I don't know, five, ten thousand pounds. So straight away you, you essentially save that on, an, on a new build property Yeah, and a new build will be much more thermally efficient in, in terms of its operation anyway. Yeah. No, okay, nice. Okay, good to know. The, um, well, the, when you mentioned before about the work that you're doing to kind of create a more sustainable estate and look at your existing assets, what 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 does that look like at the minute in terms of how vast is that portfolio? Where you're right, how do you you've got all these existing assets, all these all these all these properties? Yep. I've been to a lot of conferences where. It'd be university estate departments being like, right, we've got to take on the challenge of creating net zero campuses. But I've not had the conversation from a, from a private development side, so from a, from, a, from a property development side. That must be, what's, what, are the, what are the initial challenges? What are the things you have to consider when looking at a private po- property portfolio and, and, and saying, right, how are we going to make this more efficient? Uh, so our, our property portfolio is, is quite varied, yeah. um, and as I said it's like it could be re- retail, it could be warehouses, it could be residential as well, um, and there's no one size fits all. So we have to look at each property in its own own right, understand how the occupiers use that building, how the building performs in terms of energy efficiency, and indeed what sort of energy is, is used there, whether it's gas or electricity. And if we're moving to net zero, it's likely that we would we would strip out gas from that property and move to an all-electric solution because that gives you an ability to then choose your energy tariff, look for 100% renewable, and the the energy grid will will move to to, um, renewable over time. So, again, you're sort of future-proofing those assets. And is there is there an idea that you kind of lean in with such a varied estate, you lean more towards retail, you lean more towards, say, the offices and the, the office market that you might... Commercial commercial spaces that you've got available. Where's the kind of where's the focus? Um, again, I say that the property portfolio is quite varied, and that works for us as a business. Um, it gives us the opportunity to improve the energy performance of those buildings. So, I don't know if you're aware that each building will have an, what they call an EPC rating, an energy performance certificate. Um, and over time, by 2030, we'll if we're to lease those buildings, we need to be EPC rated or above oh, so okay. we need to move our assets yeah, yeah. Um, forward improve the performance of those and it may affect our investment decisions going forward in that you wouldn't perhaps invest in a building that, that couldn't achieve a B rating a B rated EPC rating well, that's going to be a huge task if you look at say, say some of the buildings whether or not they're from the 1850s that you need to then bring up to that that, that, that level I'm not saying that you have buildings I'm in the 1850s I just you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it's what you've got to remember, Connor, is that by 2050, 80% of the buildings that will be existing in 2050 are, have already been built. So there's a massive challenge for the UK industry to uh, the real, real estate industry to improve those uh, EPC ratings. I think for um, commercial buildings over 100,000 square foot, I think the stats are something like 61% of those are, are C rated or below. So it's a huge challenge for the industry to to make improvement for that. It's 
it's not um, it's not impossible. And we've done something similar with our office at Bourne in Coventry. We've moved that um, existing property, which was a, a D-rated building when we took it on, and we've we've improved that with energy efficiency measures to take it up to an A rating. And how long did it take when you acquired that? Did you so? You, when did you acquire this property? We so we've owned that office for a number of years, but the, the tenant we, we knew was moving out, so that gave us an opportunity to to make some improvements. We've retrofit that that office. We've stripped out all the gas and again made it uh, 100% electric. Um, we've improved the thermal efficiency of the building, and we've also installed some solar panels. See, now that must make a huge. That must when you're looking to attract new tenants to these these properties, and you've done that level of retrofit, and you've retained and restored and kind of enhanced the the capability of these the, these existing um, properties. That must be a big pull factor for for commercial businesses looking for looking for new properties to let to, to move to if yeah. it's got that that those credentials yeah we we we, we see it as a, a usp for some of our assets that we're able to to find like-minded organizations that are interested in sustainability and we're able to show them what we've done with with the space um and also from a occupier point of view it should in theory be cheaper to run absolutely and, and, and better to, to work and uh, an office space to work in I think that's that's such a huge factor that that and the confidence, especially say take an area like Coventry, that level of investment putting it into the Coventry city centre. Is it Coventry city centre? Right in the city, yeah, not not far at all from the station. Um, lots of development development around that area, and to take an old building that was already existing to retrofit it, you wouldn't know when you walk around that building now. It looks it looks brand new, modern. And a, and a great place to work. See, that's the thing with Coventry. Unrelated, but just it's as part of the Building Brum series, stories that we do around Coventry and the developments that take place in Coventry get some of the best engagement, some of the best traction. People, there's, there's just so much pride when it comes to confidence and building and developing within Coventry that I'm not surprised at all with the work that, that you did on this office block that it would translate so quickly into a success story where you it's a greener more efficient um more efficient building yeah and i say it it made much more sense to retrofit it and try and make improvements rather than to demolish it and start again we've saved so much carbon by by not demolishing it um so that building's a real success story for us and and it it also looks at the occupier space so we've created um cycle storage showers for people to, to to shower in so they can just more sustainable transport to the office as well. And the location's fantastic. I say it's right in the centre of, of Coventry. That's brilliant. In terms of when it when you come to procure procurements and kind of awarding these 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 projects to partners that say say for instance we're we're over at the Pedimore site where you're working with Winvic today. If you look at the the Coventry example again, how hard is it to kind of procure with that retrofit and kind of that energy that green agenda when it comes to creating a more energy efficient building is there a difference when it comes to setting out that procurement package where you where you look to which contractor you award this works to do you is there anything in particular that you look out for for those so say so the winvix and other main contractors what 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 is it that kind of makes you think? Yeah, these the, the, these are the teams we want to work with. Yeah, so we tend to work with trusted partners, whether it's Winvic or in in the case of Bourne at Coventry, that was Overbury. 
oh, nice. that we work with. So we've worked with them before. We know what we, we can expect from them. But also we know that they share our, our ethos in terms of sustainable performance. So it's, it's, it's easy to work with them. And we just need to make sure that they're aware of our goals and our strategy and that they can put that into the project then in terms of their own their own efforts. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, because Overbury are now leading on the the three centenary project with Arup's new new new, new head office moving right. into Birmingham, and that, that that's such an ambitious and such a forward thinking um, green development, and yeah. the way that the office space is going to be. Um, yeah, so we, we need to, you know, everybody needs to rise to the challenge. But if you're working with the right partners, it can we can we can achieve it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think um, this because it's great. Cause we're, we're we're actually we're at your Pedimore sites yeah. um, room. At Winvik site office, um, recording the podcast today. Just one of your most um, your most recent industrial warehouse developments that's taken place. And I mean, the work that you did in Coventry, making it a more greener building. What are those lessons learned from that site that you've kind of applied to say your most recent development, which is the one we're, we're on site today, we're sitting at? Would you say that there's certain things that you took away from from that scheme that you've applied to? To this project here, I, th- I think so. I'd, I'd like to think that with Iron Properties, we try and every project we do, we try and better the, the previous one. Um, certainly, in, t- in terms of sustainable performance. So, um, here at Peddymore, um, we're working with our partner, Birmingham City Council, um, and this is at the end of the day, we're placemakers. So, we're providing employment opportunities, we're pl- providing warehouse space, but also we're, we're providing places for people to live, work, and play. Um, so it's really important for us that we incorporate those sort of things into the development, whether that's green and blue infrastructure, whether it's opportunities for employment, or whether it's just working with local communities that we're, we're building in. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, and the scale of the, this development itself within it within Pedimore is huge. It is. Yeah, so we're really proud of the work that we've done at Pedimore, and actually that's helped influence our wider sustainability strategy and the projects that we've since gone on to um, to develop, um, particularly around the social value space. Um, we've learned a lot at Pedimore and we've taken those learnings and, and, and put them into other, other other schemes. Tell me, how does that link into the ambition for the for the future and, and that wider sustainability strategy that the Iron Properties has when when kind of looking ahead to 2025, 2030, what's so last year, um, in 2022, we launched our sustainability strategy. Um, that f- focuses on three key areas um, around sustainability. That's people, place, and planet. So for people, we're on about the health and well-being of our own employees, but also encouraging sustainable behaviours, whether that's within our own organisation, with our supply chain, our contractors, and indeed the, the wider community. Um, our place is really about focusing on the local community, looking at education and skills, um, working with young children, school children, encouraging them into the workplace, um, and also working with local communities, strengthening local communities. And then a final sort of pillar, if you like, of, of sustainability is around planet, and we're focusing here on energy and carbon. We're hoping to be a net zero business going forward, and we're, we're making sure that our, our developments are net zero in construction and net zero ready in operation as well. And that's a big challenge for us, but that's one that we think is, is the right thing to do. And we've talked about the sort of things we've been doing at, at Bourne. Um, and the other areas around responsible, um, responsible procurement and, and working with nature. And again, you can see that at, at Pedimore, where we've got this blue and green infrastructure. And 
we've talked about working with trusted partners like Winvic in terms of that responsible procurement piece, making sure that we drive the sustainability message throughout the supply chain. And I'd say with your development partner on this project being Birmingham City Council, is that something that you're quite used to now across the country working with local authorities as a development partner, or is it quite unique that the council has done this in this instance? So the project at Peddymore is unique, and the fact that we're working with Birmingham City Council as a development partner. Um, in terms of working with other local authorities, it's really important that we continue to collaborate with them and work closely with them because it's, it's important for, from our perspective that we end up with a project that, is, that meets the needs of local communities. We see that that it's such a different kind of approach to development, working with the local authority as a development partner. What, what has that meant for, for this project, kind of delivering the scheme in this way where it, it's so joined up? I think specifically for Peddymore, we've learnt a lot from Birmingham City, particularly around um, their business charter for social, social responsibility. We've taken some of those learnings and, and brought them into our own framework now in terms of the, the, the place bit that we've talked about, um, the education, the skills, the job opportunities. Um, so it's been a really important learning curve for us as well. That's really, really interesting. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Really appreciate you telling us more about IM Properties and the, and the kind of the sustainability strategy and the journey that you're on to, to, to deliver ESG across, um, across the industry. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'd like to say thank you to Andy for joining me on today's episode and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back soon with special guest speakers from all across the construction sector. A big thank you to our Building Pump Podcast series supporters, Reality Capture and Point Cloud Modelling Specialists, Scantech Digital, Solus, one of the UK's leading suppliers of commercial flooring and wall tiles, APEC UK Limited, West Bromwich-based architectural glazing specialists, and Sunbelt Rentals. With over 1.5 million items of equipment, they are the largest providers of equipment hire in the UK. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care.